Hi y'all, my name is Kennedy Tippins and welcome back to my ninth episode of my podcast, Fruited. I'm so happy to have y'all here right now. I'm about to hit 650 downloads, which is literally insane. I know that I have gone across a few countries, which is also insane. I've been so happy to connect with y'all through social media and different platforms, and I am just so incredibly blessed by getting the resources and the opportunities to just share the good word of God and what he has to say, and I... I'm just so blown away by the amount of support that I've gotten. And today's episode, I'm super excited to get into. It is going to be on shame, conviction, and accountability. And with that being said, let's get on into it. So starting off this episode, I know that there has been kind of a reoccurring theme in my podcast and that would be the hatred for pride. Pride comes to steal, kill, and destroy and it is one of the enemy's most deadly weapons and I also am going to talk a lot about humor in this podcast. It plays a big part in the way we shame each other. We can hide basically anything in the mask of sarcasm. And I'm going to be reading a few quotes from my friend Steve Geyer's book, Shameless. He has been a great mentor to me and he uh, gave me one of his books a long time ago. And it really does encapture what shame looks like. And I have a few Bible verses that I'm going to pair with it, plus a few quotes that I have been told in my time that I have been asking about with shame and accountability and conviction and everything in between. There is a lot of really wise people on this earth, but no matter how wise anyone is, nothing is going to be good. Nothing is going to be as good as what God says straight out of the Bible. And I want to start this episode off with three definitions, shame, conviction, and accountability. The definition of shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. The definition of conviction is the quality of showing that one is firmly convicted in what one believes or says. And accountability is of a person, organization, or an institution that is required or expected to justify their actions or decisions, aka being responsible. I wanted to start off with those three words and their definitions because a lot of times us as Christians get shame and conviction and accountability very confused because I've said it once, I'll say it a million times, Christians get very convicted for other people. And I remember one time I was, I'm not going to tell the details of what I was doing, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily Christian like behavior. And I was in a room full of people and one of my friends 
said, oh, Kennedy, like you're doing this? Like, huh? Like, oh, are you sure you should be doing this? And said it in front of a whole room of people. And I remember I felt shameful. I felt like I wanted to hide under a couch and I shouldn't have said anything, but I was quick with my tongue. No surprise there. I remember I looked at her in a room full of people and I did exactly what the enemy wanted me to do back and I shamed her back. And I said, hmm, that's so funny because your concern is coming off as shameful and your concern for wanting to hold me accountable in my faith and my Christianity is actually shaming me in front of all my friends and family. So I gave back just the amount of shame that she gave me and I should have just, you know, turned the other cheek and talked about it later like it says to do in the Bible. The Bible is very, very clear about how we are supposed to hold each other accountable as Christians. First of all, we are not to hold non-Christians accountable because God gives us a choice and we should give other people a choice. And I'm not going to go to my non-Christian friend and say, hey, do you know that you're you're sinning against the Bible and my God? That's just going to push them further away from Christianity. If I have a friend and they are sinning and I can see it, I'm supposed to talk with them privately about it in a place coming from love, not a place coming from, oh, you're not supposed to be doing this and I'm going to tell and I know that you did this and I'm better than you from a place of being humble before the Lord and a place of love. If they still do not listen, you are supposed to go to a close group of friends, not a gossip circle, a close group of Jesus loving people that will love this person through it. And if that still doesn't work, you're supposed to go to the church. And from then on, it is not your sin to deal with anymore. It is between that person, the church and God, and you can love that person, but you are no longer to press on that conviction anymore. That person is going to have to repent. You cannot repent for them. It has taken me so long to understand what that actually meant and what that looks like. But I just, I want to make it clear that you cannot repent for someone and you cannot force them to repent. I asked my friend Riley Simpson what the difference between shame and conviction was because sometimes I just like to pick his brain on some things. And he said, shame leads to hiding in your sin and conviction leads to confessing your sin. Conviction is a good thing from the Holy Spirit. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. He said, shame usually comes from Satan when he accuses you. But as a Christian, there is no condemnation in Christ. That is so, ooh, that just, that gave me chills. That is such a good way of putting it is shame makes us mask ourselves in different tools such as humor and sarcasm and conviction makes us grow closer to God because conviction leads to repentance and repentance leads to chains 
breaking off of our feet. There's that song. It's called, oh, I don't remember exactly what it's called. It's like, it might be called Shackles. And the lyrics are, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. That is so true to the testament of God. And when we repent, there is such a chain-breaking action. An action that only could come from God because it is so freeing and there is no more residue of sin left on our hearts. It is completely wiped away. You know, like I think of those Mr. Clean wipes, you know what I'm talking about? Like the sponges that are like super white and they're supposed to get off like anything. Like you do one wipe and it's like crazy and then you can like squeeze the sponge and the sponge comes off white That is what I think about whenever I think about Jesus wiping away our sins on the cross. And then he came back to life. Like, it damaged him. He died for three days, but not even the chains of death could hold our Lord and Savior in that tomb. And I think we don't realize, or maybe we do realize, but we don't think about it enough There was a giant boulder keeping Jesus in that tomb and it was moved like a boulder. That is 2,000 to 4,000 pounds. Just to give you an estimate about how heavy that is to roll away, a car is usually from 2,000 to like 4,000 pounds as well. That is insane one person he just rolled it away and the reason he could do that is because he's actually jesus christ our lord and savior you know like if he can raise from the dead three days later like oh my gosh it's literally insane to think about like so insane I'm going to move right ahead and talk about, I know I've said this before, but it really is something to think about that, especially in my generation, I was born in 2004 and I'm 18 years old. So in my generation, Gen Z, we love our humor. We love our sarcasm. And what we haven't realized is that we can get out of almost any accountability with our words by masking it in a blanket of humor and sarcasm. I do it all the time. But we don't realize is the element of funny is the truth. You know, like the thing that makes people laugh is the relatability to your joke. And the relatability comes from truth. And the truth is not always good. I know a lot of people is like, oh, telling the truth is always good. Telling the truth is always good. Yes, but that doesn't mean that the truth is always good. A lot of times the truth can actually be very bad. And when we bring out the ugly truth in a crowd full of people in order to get a few laughs, that is where shame comes in to the hearts of people and ugliness comes into the hearts of people and we all laugh and so we think it's good and well but shame comes back up to haunt us 
And that is what we don't understand all the time. There have been words that have been spoken over to me that even as a little girl, when they were said to me, I'm 18 years old, years later down the road, and I'm still walking out forgiveness in my everyday life for some of those things because they brought shame to my heart and they embarrassed me in front of my family and friends and the people I hold closest to me. And I think that we need to bring back accountability for our words in today's world because it is non-existent. In the book, Shameless, my friend Steve wrote, So, with a culture that encourages us to cover up our true feelings and emotions, shame gives sarcasm a free pass. It allows us to be passive-aggressive and mask with humor. He also wrote, Sarcasm is undeniably powerful. It has the power to make us feel or look stupid, minimize us, shut us up, or to make us believe that we are being overly sensitive or minimize when we have been hurt. A lot of times people that shame others or make a fool of others are really just trying to reflect the words that they have been told themselves and they don't know how to handle them. I mean, Jesus was mocked on the cross and it says multiple times in Psalms and Proverbs that people who mock and the people that make fun and the people that shame are really just a reflection of what they have been told. And that's no excuse, but it is a way for you to understand that if someone has been shaming you or mocking you, that there is always going to be something deeper than just the jokes. And I am telling you that you can reject the spirit of shame and the spirit of the enemy in the name of Jesus. There is not a crystal or not an idol or not anything else that you could try to use to reflect the spirit of shame. I'm telling you right now, surround yourself with an aura of the Lord Jesus and surround yourself with love and people who love you and people that uplift you and people that understand the consequences of inflicting shame on others. I'm telling you right now that if you learn to watch your tongue, you will see the fruitful spirit of the Lord. And I believe that Jesus has a sense of humor and I don't believe that he has to put others down in order to show his sense of humor. I think that there are a lot of ways that you can joke and have fun that don't involve ripping someone's identity in half and in pieces. Thankfully, God gives us grace when we mess up because when you come from a culture of sarcasm, it is very hard to kind of rewrite your brain in order to fulfill the path that Jesus has set for you. But it is possible. And Jesus shows us how when he walked on this earth and he was mocked and he turned the other cheek, 
go take a look in Luke. I believe it's Luke chapter 20 that Jesus gets mocked. They put him on a cross and they spit on him. And not only do they put him on the cross, they made him walk the cross for a very long time and they nailed him up there and then they laughed at him. And what we don't understand is we are doing the exact same mockery to each other as all those people were doing towards Jesus, but it's just not as plain because we can mask it with smiles. And we are so quick to joke at each other's losses, at each other's hurt, pain, depression, all of that. We're so fast to joke about it because We believe that temporary smiles are worth more than eternal love. And it is so easy to get sidetracked with the shame that the enemy has to offer instead of the conviction and the breaking of chains that Jesus wants to give us. And I really think that y'all maybe take some time and pray and fast about what it looks like in your life, how you can implicate uplifting words and jokes and smiles in your life. I will tell you right now, it is so much easier to get smiles with compliments than it is to tear each other down piece by piece. I know that I said that this podcast was going to get a little controversial and I was not lying. I was recently in New York and I went to a a comedy club type thing and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into and everyone was really funny. There was one girl though at the very end and she started joking about abortions and went in detail about how uh, there was another girl from Tennessee. She went in detail about how she was probably only in New York to get away with murdering her baby and as a Christian to sit there and listen to this girl I wanted to throw up and I was angry I was very angry the Bible is very clear about murder and there is going to be an episode in the near future about abortions but I remember feeling sick to my stomach that this lady was joking about murdering babies and I'm realizing that people who hate God and hate Christians and Christianity and the whole thing they're not even trying to mask it anymore Hollywood isn't trying to mask it anymore they're not trying to mask their humor anymore it is straight up disrespectful And us as Christians, as angry as we may be about it, we are called to turn the other cheek because doing that instead of inflicting pain and shame on the people that don't know any better is going to change lives. And that's what I want to end this episode on is turning the other cheek is going to change lives. I promise you. I promise you it is going to do more. Don't be like me where the second someone shames you, you can throw it right back and you can throw it 10 times harder. Turn the other cheek. Thank you so much. I hope you all had an amazing Christmas. I love you all so much. Find my Instagram at the pod rooted 
and find my TikTok at the podcast rooted. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you guys back here next week for episode 10.